This is an ABC podcast. Hi friends, Yumi here. This is a special episode of Ladies We Need to Talk. We recorded it live at the Brisbane Powerhouse. And it's all about making friends. Because seriously, a life without good friends would totally suck and a lot of us probably could stand to make a new friend or two. Just a warning, there's a little bit of swearing in this episode. Hello, Brisbane. Welcome to a live recording of Ladies We Need to Talk. I am so excited to be here. My name is Yumi Stones. And tonight we're talking about making friends. There's no roadmap for making new friends when you're an adult. When you're a kid, you kind of show up at school and someone, you know, you've got matching scabs on your knees with someone else and next thing you know, you've got a new buddy. As you get older, it gets more awkward. And let me tell you something a little bit personal, because it is ladies we need to talk. Is it a show if there's no discharge? (laughs) I tell you my personal thing, I want more friends. I feel like I lost a lot of friends when I moved cities. Also, I got buried in children and parenting them. And then I realised that a bunch of my friends were actually drinking buddies when I quit alcohol. And now, like, to be quite honest, I'm worried that when I die, there'll be seven people at the funeral. (laughs) And four of them I gave birth to. So So we all know friendship is really important to our health and our happiness. Do you know that you live longer if you're more socially connected? Research from Oxford University has found that friends are better than morphine. Not because they make you high, although they might, especially during uni, Um, but because people with more friends have a higher pain tolerance. So if you're an adult and you do want some new friends, how do you do it? There are heaps of, like, um, apps and stuff for making sex partners and romantic relationships. But what about just a good old friend? Ladies, we need to talk about making friends. So this episode of Ladies We Need to Talk is a bit different because A, we have a live audience in front of us Um, and B, we've got a couple of great friends sitting next to me, uh, the stars of the Bang On podcast, Zan Rowe and Miff Warhurst. I'm wondering how many true friends do you reckon you guys have got? I was trying to count, um, and if you say true friends, Yumi, do you mean like the kind of people that you'd rely on in a crisis, that you know, if you, it, it, on the speed dial, in your favourites, in your phone, you can absolutely call them no matter what? Yeah. I think probably nine, um, which I feel pretty lucky for. Mm, You're yeah. so popular. <laughs> really I'm are. really nice. I'm great <laughs> company. Uh, a very generous friend. Perfectionist, really, if there's anything that I'd have to say bad about myself. How about you? How many You're a great friend, though. You're a great friend, and I, and I can see why you'd have lots of people that you could call on, because you're just good to me. Stop. <laughs> How many friends do you reckon you've got, Miv? Um, True friends. Well, being in my 40s now, I, probably like all of us, I've gone through so many different stages of life and I've met lots of people in all those different stages of life and I feel really lucky. I've probably picked up one or two each time Um, and I'd probably say about seven or eight that I could call on in dire straits and I I truly believe that they would be there for me and I feel so thankful for that, so thankful. 
Um, one of the things I thought about when we were writing the ideas down for this podcast was, you know, Rick Mayle and Adrian Edmondson from The Young Ones? So Rick died, right? And Adrian was being interviewed and the interviewer said, he was one of your best friends, how do you feel now he's dead? And um, Adrian Edmondson said, well, how many true friends have you got? And the interviewer said, I've got three. And Adrian said, well, me too, and now one's gone. You know, it's really, they are a finite resource, our close friends. And I reckon, to be honest, I've got three really, really close friends. And they're like... The rest are just fake. (laughs) (laughs) No names. (laughs) But your friends these days are like your family. We're living differently than we did in previous generations. We choose our friends and they become our confidence and they become our support network. They're the family that you choose. So there's an anthropologist from the UK called Robin Dunbar who's had a look at this and he reckons that the average person has around 100 150 casual friends, so people that you'd invite to a a really large party or who might show up to your funeral. Um, Then you have 50 close friends that you might invite out for dinner. Um, Then there's sort of the inner circle, so uh, guess what, somebody close to me has got cancer, who are you going to tell? You'll tell that 15 people. And generally, most of us have about five true friends who are the ones that you confide in about everything, the really deep stuff, the painful stuff. Um, So I guess the real question is, if your number is a bit low, if you don't have any friends or five that you can confide in, how do you make new friends? So Miff, have you ever been in a position where you've had to make new friends? Yeah, I've lived in different cities. I lived overseas in London for a couple of years after I finished Spicks and Specs and I had to make new friends there. They were people that I was acquainted with and then they became friends probably because we were... um, away from home and it was so classic I I always said I wouldn't be the the Australian in London who only hangs out with Australians and I ended up being the Australian in London who only hangs out with Australians because the people that are there that you you kind of understand what you're both trying to do and I've made a couple of great friends from that time and also Sydney I think that's where we cemented Zan and I our friendship um just being somewhere where I didn't really feel at home and I was there for a couple of years and I was having a bit of a real rocky patch and and we started to have ideas about doing the podcast and and I think our friendship was cemented when I cried in a taxi on the way home from Parliament House. We'd we'd flown from Canberra. I was drunk, obviously. (laughs) It's a long... It sounds like, why are we in a cab on the way home from Parliament House? It's too long to explain, but nothing bad happened. Nothing bad happened. We were there. We were very good. Yeah, and, like, drunk is no excuse for actually showing the real me, but it was tired and I was... I I just felt a bit lonely and I didn't know who to turn to and I remember sitting in the cab and telling you about my woes and and Zan was just there for me and it was like, yep, she's my mate. And There's a real rawness to admitting that you're lonely. Like, it's a really hard thing to say, isn't and it? And you're having a hard time. And it was hard, you know. I'd broken up from a long, long-term relationship and I was in Sydney. And, yeah, it was just... It, that's when you realise, that's when you really assess the kind of friends that you've got because mm. that's all you've got. And it's, it's tough. Can I ask our live audience to send a hug to Miff by going, Ah! <laughs> I'm fine, I'm fine, I got through. Zan, do you have strategies for how to make new friends? Yeah, I do. Similarly to the moving cities thing, because I'm originally from Melbourne and I moved to Sydney in 2006. And I'm really lucky, I've got like six really good friends that I grew up with that I've known since I was in high school, which I think is quite rare. We've grown together. Um, They're not idiots, um, and hopefully neither am I. And... 
so I left them all behind and I was lucky to work at Triple J where everyone who works there is so fantastic. But I really actually wanted to have friends that weren't related to my work because it's a great convenience and it's a real stroke of luck, but I needed to have something that was separate to what I did every day. So um, I decided to go on friend dates. Like I basically found a couple of people that I were like, oh, that, you know, I'm attracted to this person as, you know, as a friend. I see that we, you know, see eye to eye. I'd like to develop this. And it's, it gets harder as you get older. And there was one particular friend, my friend Alex, who... I went out on a friend date with her and it was so awkward and it was like being on a first date and it was just like, oh, why am I doing this? Like it, should, like it should be, you know, that thing of like love at first sight, if you have to work for it, it's not real. I felt that way with Alex and I persevered because I was like, no, I feel like it's going to get better and we, you know, we sort of smoothed it. I was really desperate for friends at this stage. <laughs> I will make you love me. Um, but it got better and we just fell in step and now she's one of my dearest friends and then she moved to Mittagong which was selfish so now I have to start all over again uh, but yeah I think that it's um, it, yeah I've never been afraid of doing that because it um, I think you have to and you can't rely on those conveniences of the people that you meet at uni the people that you grow up with the people if you work and you know, we've all worked at really fun workplaces but you don't always get that um, so you have to make a bit of an effort. And I also reckon, like with you and I, we've known each other for 20 years, but we weren't really friends until the last couple of years. Like, we've always been friends, but I think there's that next stage where then you're really talking, you know, and you're really sharing some deep stuff, and, and that changes it too. Yeah. So time is an important ingredient, isn't it? You can't Very rush much it, so. can you? Hey, can we talk about, like, anyone that you fantasise about being friends with? It might not actually <laughs> happen. I thought you were going to stop at fantasise about <laughs> Yeah, we're totally changed. We're flipping it on its head. This is why there's a content warning on the outside of the room. Yeah, who would you love to be? I'll start with you, Zan, like a famous person. I feel like I'm kind of stealing this from Miff because she was the person who put me onto her, but Phoebe Waller-Bridge, I want to be her best friend. I've been stalking her. How about you, Miff? Um, still, I think I'm not sure if it's who I fantasise about or a friend I fantasise about being a friend with. Um, Dolly Parton. I mean, I loved Dolly as a kid because she was all big hair and baubles and sparkles and I, I don't know, she was the opposite of everything and everyone I knew and then as I got to learn more and more about her, I realised how, how freaking great she is and what a feminist she was and, you know, anyone who says the higher the hair, the closer to God has got to be my friend <laughs> and what's the other one? Um, it costs a lot of money to look this cheap. Yeah. I just went, yeah, you know me. Well, I agonised over who I, what famous person I'd want to be friends with, but then I was like, duh, of course I want to be friends with Ali Wong. She is my main bitch. Yeah. <laughs> All right, can we please thank Miff and Zan for joining us today? Thanks, Yumi. Thank you, Yumi. Okay, so friendship, meeting friends can be awkward. Where do you do it? Do you do it at work? What if you're unemployed? What if you've just had a baby? Do you do it at your kid's school? At the pub, at the gym, friendships are really often about having something in common and doing things together. And as I said, I'm not afraid to admit it, I don't have a huge number of quality friends. I want you to meet three amazing women who've thought a lot about making friends. Author and podcaster Beck Sparrow, who has been known to pick up friends at children's playgrounds. She's joining us today. Please welcome her to the stage. Singer-songwriter Megan Washington, and I love this in a friend. 
Megan feels super comfortable to come into your home, open your fridge and actually eat from your fridge without asking permission. Good job. And lecturer and podcaster, Dr. Chelsea Bond. And if you want to be Chelsea's friend, don't hug her. She doesn't want your hugs. Okay, welcome to Ladies We Need To Talk. Thanks for joining us tonight. Friends can be really an important part of our lives and research has shown that people who are more socially connected are both physically and mentally healthier and they also live longer. Beck, can I start with you? Because you write about friends. From your perspective, why are good friends so important? Look, it's interesting, isn't it? I think that... uh, you know, the obvious answer is that they bring so much joy to our lives. And, but the truth is that when you have, and even if it's three, right, to me that's enough. Having great friends in your life who you can be your authentic self with and feel accepted also acts as a buffer. So when life throws you a curveball and everybody in this room would have had a moment in life that's brought you to your knees right, something's happened to you, job loss, marriage breakup, health issue. When you have close friends, it acts as a bit of a buffer for you to be more resilient because I think when you've got other people around you to say, you're going to be okay and you've you've got this and we're here for you, I think that's one of the most important things. And I think, is there anything greater in life than feeling seen when people see you and still like you? They see you and they know who you are and that you're not perfect and they still show up. That's it, isn't it? It's so beautiful. Megan, a question for you. You moved back to Brisbane recently after nearly a decade away. Mm, Did you have that experience of needing to make new friends or did you rekindle old friendships? The former, so I did the latter. Like I needed to make – like I didn't know anybody here and all the people that I had sort of hung out with in my late – teens had all moved to Melbourne um so I mean I did exactly that I reached out and I like rekindled a lot of the people um in my 150 and Instagram has been really helpful for that um but yeah I didn't know anyone and I remember when we first moved my husband and I were it was like a Saturday night and we were like and it was just you know crickets because there was nothing to there was no we didn't know even where to go and then you realised it was just Brisbane. No. <laughs> Be careful. Okay. They will turn on you. They look, they look friendly. No. Do not cross Brisbane, people. <laughs> that joke is no longer fashionable, Yumi, because, like, you know, Brisbane is fucking rad now. We do make bluey, can I just say. Yeah. Uh, Chelsea, have you, in your life, had to actively try to make new friends? Look, everyone has an Aboriginal best friend, but uh, it's a tough gig, Uh, just saying. Um, So you say you don't have to because you're constantly being hit up? Well, they they, they claim that they have me, but, you know, I'm not sure if you've been familiar with this, but when you sort of mention, like, race and Indigenous issues, people kind of turn. Yeah. It's a thing. Yeah, they want it in a compartment, don't they? Can, yeah, can we yeah. leave that in the box and we'll open it when we feel like it? Like, I'm feeling it every day. Yeah, I can make friends so long as I don't talk about what I do for a living or, you know, the, where I come from and what is most valuable to me. <laughs> it's hard. It's... <laughs> wow. 
Wow. So yeah, what does that mean? Does that mean you have to sort of change your focus with making friends? It's, look, it's part of the reason I don't hug. Um, look, it's a protective mechanism. I just know I have acquaintances that can have fun with me, but I know there's limits to how they can understand me. Mm. And that's okay. So I, I mean, I went through a predominantly white high school. So I've, I've, I've been trained well. It's, for me, it's a little bit safer because I'm ethnically ambiguous. So as long as I don't speak it, I can get by a little bit. Um, but then I've soon realised as I got out of high school that who you are is actually really important. And real friends actually don't have to make you answer all the questions about the native folk in order to be friends with you. So, yeah, I just, I've got some ride-or-die friends in workspaces, in community spaces who are black and white who um, I just don't have to do the work with. And that's so nice. Yeah, yeah, you can we speak love this shorthand, right? I don't have to do Aboriginal Studies 101. <laughs> Explain uh, this to me, Chelsea. Yeah. Are me. you sure that really happened, the way you said it happened? <laughs> no, the real friend is like, okay, who is it? Let's go get them. <laughs> um, Megan, you achieved a lot of success in your 20s. Um, you got famous. Which Was that hard, making friends during that time? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it was interesting what you said before, Yumi, about how you found out that a lot of your friends were drinking buddies. I've always, you know, classified my friends as like nighttime friends or daytime friends. And when you have a nighttime job, all your friends are nighttime friends. And, you know, it's very well uh, documented that in the music industry, there's a lot of like partying and a lot of, you know, drinking and a lot of things um, like social uh, lubricants. So... You know, everyone's your best friend at, like, you know, 2 o'clock in the morning. But at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, on a Tuesday, you know, at the gym, there weren't a lot of, you know, people that I, um, that I would say were, my, were my, like my daytime friends. It's different, isn't it? I remember saying to someone when, I'm, when I sobered up that being sober, is, it's harder to fall in love. And they were like, holy fuck, that's profound. <laughs> you know, and I think it applies to love. I mean, to friendship as well. Like, yeah. to fall in love with friends is tricky. Um, Beck, your, your friendship is sort of like your niche, the, the, your specialty. Oh. When, do okay. we, when do you lose <laughs> I'll the take most that. friends? When? Yeah. Because I think we make new friends when we go through, say, having a new baby or starting a new mm. school. You sort of pick up new people, new job. But there's losing them as well. Definitely. And I think, look, I think it comes at all different times. I certainly think when life throws you a curveball, you very quickly see who's going to keep showing up. And that's not to say, you know, so a lot of people um, in Brisbane certainly would know that um, I lost one of my children um, in 2010. So I had my second child with um, Georgie, not to be a downer, um, was stillborn. Now, when you have an event like that happen to you or whether it's a cancer diagnosis or whatever, people stop showing up. So some friends, I always say to people, I was saved one lasagna at a time by a group of people. To people that, it's interesting, because sometimes the people that you don't think are going to show up are the ones who show up, and the ones that you think would show up head for the hills. And that's um, tricky, I think. And I, so I think those kind of events scare people off, or they don't know how to handle it, and they drop away. I think I often hear people when, if they get um, divorced... Sometimes, apparently, friend uh, people can get very uncomfortable if you, suddenly you're single. Oh, and that they, happened to me. Yeah. <clears throat> right? So then they're like, oh, no, I, don't, I don't want to socialise with you anymore. So I think it's interesting that I think sometimes when you have a lot of success, 
maybe that can um, sorts people out a bit. It's like, you know, there's the um, a saying I heard, pay attention to the people who don't clap when you win. So, you know, people can say that they want, they're cheering for you, but then when good things happen, they can't handle it. So I, th- I but maybe these things are good because maybe when these things happen, you see who's, st- who's there, mm. right? And who is still with you and it kind of sorts it out for you. Chelsea, as a parent, um, you get an accidental sort of social circle via your children. I think we've all experienced that. But your um, kids are a bit older, so does that change? Yeah, so there's a time where having kids, you know, it's access to a whole lot of social capital, Mm. um, sports, schools, playgroup, all of that stuff. Um, And you're known by uh, you're not who you are, but you're so-and-so's mum or whatever, and you could be really cool, like me. Um, (laughs) um, But there is a... It it, it, uh, cuts out eventually. Uh, So I've got 16 and 14-year-olds. So I've lost any kind of um, social network that may have come through them because they don't want anything to do with me. (laughs) Yeah. It's tough, I'm telling you. All right. Uh, We've found somebody tonight who's very open-minded. Her name is Emma. And she's going to take part in a social experiment. So I'd like to, first of all, invite Emma to come to the stage. She bought a ticket just like you. And we found her before the front doors opened. She's 39. She's a nurse. She's got a driver's licence. And I asked her... Tick. Yeah. But a cut. That if she were to come over to my house and I said, bring a plate, what would she bring? Her answer was pumpkin salad with sliced almonds and halloumi. Can we have a round of applause for that? So the thing about Emma, please come over here and stand next to me. I know this is a bit awkward, um, but Emma would like a new friend, just like me. And I think because you know what she looks like and you know that she's from Brisbane and that she's a fan of either Bang On or Ladies We Need To Talk, which is it? Ladies We Need To Talk. Um, that you may have something in common. So I would like everybody in the room who would possibly like to be friends with Emma to stand up. That means you guys. Stand up, please. And ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the inaugural Yumi Stein's Friendship Quiz. So how this is going... No, stay standing. If you want to be friends with her, stay standing. How this is going to be to work is we're going to look for questions that illuminate whether or not you and Emma have enough in common to be friends. If it seems like that's a no, you sit down. And hopefully by the time we get to the end of my quiz, we'll have one or two eligible future friends. Okay, I'm just going to interrupt myself here because as much as I would love to force you to listen to the whole quiz, we shan't. Suffice to say that some of the questions were silly, some were funny, but all were designed to find out what Emma liked and what she was into. Things like whether she would talk about poo at the dinner table. Answer, yes. Another question, would Emma have sex on the first date? She said yes to this one as well. Judgy, judgy, judgy. (laughs) There's a lot of people not sitting. Uh, We'll we'll all be exchanging numbers in the lobby later. Oh, here's one. This is going to figure it out. Okay. Lizzo or Beyonce? So, Emma, what's your answer? Beyonce. Full bush or Brazilian? 
Uh, your answer? Oh, fish. <laughs> oh, we're better than that. What happened next was not what I anticipated. In a room filled with 700 people, all excited and most of whom were women, the last person standing in our quest to find Emma a new friend was... What's your name? Liam. Liam, do you really need a new friend? Probably, yeah. Where do you live? Brisbane. Uh, Are you into the medical industry? Not at all. Do you have a driver's licence? I do. What food would you bring over if I asked you to bring a plate? Mm, probably not pumpkin salad. <laughs> Should we get those guys back? <laughs> Listen, this is Emma. I now pronounce you friend and friend. Thank you for your contribution. And Emma, you're a great sport. Thank you so much. So, will they stay friends? If you guys want me to, I'll introduce you at the end of uh, my session. But there are some things that do help. Proximity helps. Um, So sociologists since the 50s have said there are three key things that we need to make close friends. Proximity. Um, And you're both here, so that's a win. A setting where you can let your guard down and confide in each other. And I think they've kind of done that a little bit. I'm not keen on his lack of salad, but... Um, The third secret to making close friends is having unplanned interactions. And that was very unplanned and an interaction. Can you explain that a bit more for me? Beck? what do you mean by an unplanned interaction? Look, I think the unplanned interaction thing is is easier to do maybe when you're a teenager in your 20s and it's like, oh, my God, let's go here. And, um, and like, I'm 47. I don't pop anywhere. I'm I'm like... (laughs) I'm like, what? So, um... (laughs) And it's increasingly tempting to just stay inside and outsource everything because I'm overwhelmed and I have not slept since 2008. And so the problem, though, with that is that you're then not catching up because we know that catching up in person cements friendships. So it's when you're together and you can spill your guts and be yourself and blah, blah, blah. So... I think the fact that we are increasingly isolating ourselves and saying, you know, there was a a meme going around recently that said, I love it when, you know, when my friend cancels and, and I secretly go, yay. And I think so many of us do that, right? But the problem is we are not turning up in person. And I think with a lot of friendships... We need the in-person time to... Because if they're not at work, when, when are people running into each other? What, how the hell do you have an unplanned encounter with a friend? Like you just run into them at, the, what, Woolworths? Chelsea, can we talk about, and me, and I think this applies to you as well, the role of gossip in friendships. In some ways, like, having people to talk about can be really helpful um, in extended family. <laughs> well, like, in extended families, let's say um, a niece gets in trouble gets expelled from school. This, this happened in my circle and everyone was, bang, we're all in the blower to each other. And it was like, suddenly we're, we're having so many more conversations than we're usually having and it was considered a crisis at the time but it was also part of the glue that keeps us together. Um, Chelsea, is your experience of chatter similar to that, that it can sometimes be well, good? With five kids, I've got to structure my catch-up time and I have a committee... Um, I don't see them all the time. I do take attendance if a committee member doesn't show up. 
look, it's tough being my friend too. Um, but um, the gossip is our own agenda items. So we come with our agenda and a committee member just says, I need a committee meeting. And we all have to turn up. I thought you were joking. This is real. Yeah, I have a committee. I have it's a, intense. I have a committee. I don't see... They're friends that I don't see all the time. I've Does got the one in there that's right or die that will turn up and, you know, pack the ex-husband's stuff and move the whole house for me. Yep. At, when I say, I'm ready, let's do it. So they will hear me out and then they'll go, OK, I'm going to call you out too. And so it's not just unbridled venting because that can be dangerous with friends because then you go home and visit that trauma on the family. Um, so we work through... Look, it's, it's functional. I don't hug, but I organise this stuff, yeah. Can I just get this straight? Your friends have committee meetings where you bring agenda items? It's your trauma. So it's like if someone's like, you're just like, oh, I'm going to take someone out today, so I need to have a committee meeting yeah. to process some stuff, and we've got to turn up for that person. Amazing. So if you put the call out, yeah. well, we've got to turn up. And it's a really funny group because we're quite intuitive with each other. So we actually, if someone comes up and says, I've got nothing this week, it's all fine, we do judgy eyes and go, no, spill it. Because <laughs> that's a real friend. Is there a line they can cross ever? We've never thought about that. Um, it's never been an agenda item. No, you've just got to turn up. Uh, <laughs> but I'll put it in the minutes. Um, no, I... I will table that next time, though. Um, you may have just dismantled the whole committee um, without question. Megan, I want to talk about gossip with you because um, being somebody in the public eye, I, I, this is something I've found personally, that gossip around me can have a, a greater social currency for the people chattering because it's like, did you know what Yumi told me? Right. Did you find that and did, did that affect your ability to trust people? I feel like I am pretty good at small talk. Like I read this thing when I was a teenager and it's always like remains with me that um, the easiest form of conversation is conversation about people and then the next sort of level of, you know, conversation is when you talk about events and then the best form is when you talk about ideas. And I've just always found that I have the most connection and the most to talk about with people that want to talk about ideas and for me like in my job often you know I'll be in a songwriting room with a bunch of other you know creative people and like that's what we want to you know talk about we want to like you know examine why such and such is happening or whatever like that's sort of um that's my favorite spot. I would say that that's really interesting that the idea that you want to be talking about ideas and creativity because that's what we should all be aiming for. What I do know is that when women in particular are stuck for something to talk about and you're trying to bond with a new person, it's particularly true for school mothers, is that we use gossip. So we use gossip as a way of connection, which is a really dangerous habit to get into. And then when we do that, if we accidentally do that in front of our kids, we're really modelling stuff that we don't want them um, to be doing. Let's take a school or a workplace. They run on gossip and rumour and storytelling and you are never going to change that, right? You can't have kids or adults shoved together all day as if it runs on information exchange, right? Have you heard this? You know, but there's a line. So what I say to kids is that there is a line where you've got a choice. You see a drama cyclone coming, like gossip coming, and you've got a choice. You've got to either enter it, walk into it, or you're going to step away from it. 
because there's a, there's a line where it's malicious and it's mean. It's different when you're going, oh, did you hear this person's got this or whatever, where it's not mean. Yeah, yeah. And I think that we know that. And I, I just think there's so much other stuff to be talking about. And, of course, we're human beings and, if, as, you know, as if, of course, we're all going to do the wrong thing at times. So I'm just saying generally, particularly in schools and workplaces, it can, be, it can become really toxic mm. when we're using that, that culture of this is how I'm going to bond, is we're going to, you know, rip this other person to shreds. That's a bad environment. And we say no to that. And we also say a big thank you to everybody for coming along for this live recording of Ladies We Need To Talk. What a night. Well, I have zero confidence that Emma and Liam will be mates, <laughs> but I did get to meet a bunch of diehard Ladies We Need To Talk listeners who were amazing and vocal and informed and tough and cool, and it made me feel like part of a tribe, and not just any tribe, but the raddest tribe. A big thanks to our guests, podcaster and author Rebecca Sparrow, singer-songwriter Megan Washington, and lecturer and podcaster Dr Chelsea Bond. And big thanks to Miff Warhurst and Zan Rowe for joining us and giving us a wonderful example of what friendship looks like. Thanks to the Brisbane Powerhouse for having us and if you're in the market for a new friend, can I set you a challenge? This week... Find someone from your group of 150 acquaintances and see if you can't drag them into your top 15. Or if you're feeling really brave, introduce yourself to someone you like the look of. And speaking of friends, a story we heard from the friends we made in Brisbane was that they discovered this podcast because a friend of theirs literally grabbed their phone and downloaded an episode and told them to listen to it. So be that guy grab a friend's phone and subscribe it to Ladies We Need to Talk. They'll thank you later. Ladies is mixed by Anne-Marie de Betancourt. It's produced by Cassandra Steeth. Supervising producer is Madeline Jenner. And our executive producer is Justine Kelly. This series was created by Claudine Ryan. The manager of Audio Studios is Kelly Reardon. And listen, as usual, Ladies is looking for some ideas for episodes we've got coming up. So... Can you get in touch? We have already covered and been inspired by a bunch of your ideas. And we want to know what else you'd like ladies we need to talk to talk about. What are you afraid to say out loud? What's that thing that you're super embarrassed about? Maybe it's something to do with your health or your body. Maybe it's something in a relationship you've been through. Maybe it's a sex thing. Get in touch. Our number is 1300 641 2 or you can email us at ladies at abc.net.au. I'm Yumi Steins. See you soon. <laughs>